Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Got my postcard here ready to uh, read to you. This is from uh, Greg Boggs. Greg, thanks for listening all the way from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, I have actually driven through Coeur d'Alene several times, and it is beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, Greg sends his postcard from Sandpoint, Idaho, but it's it's the, a postcard of the Burger Dock. Does that, 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 does that not sound good? The burger dock. And this is good. This postcard is good for one free large French fry. So, so Greg, thanks for the postcard. Thanks for listening most of all. And thanks for the large French fry. If I ever get out there, uh, we're in Mark chapter seven, uh, in our Bibles and we're studying the book of Mark. Hard to believe that we're over halfway. Let me see. Are we? Over? No, I guess we're not, but we're close to halfway done. Mark chapter 7, and we are in verse number 31. So would you find your place if you're following along? Mark chapter 7 and verse 31, uh, where the Bible says, And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus is at a place in his ministry where he's really being rejected in, in, in some ways. He preached that message at the synagogue of, of Capernaum, and many of his disciples left him, walked away, John 6, 66. And he is spending some time even outside of the border of the country. And we just talked about that amazing story of faith, how that, that mother had said, truth, Lord, yea, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What an an incredible example of faith in the Lord. And now Jesus is leaving Tyre and Sidon, and he's coming back into the general vicinity of his public ministry. The Bible says in verse number 31, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And that's important. Anytime you read your Bible and you see place names or directions, You want to take out a map and look at it because it'll really help you to understand the Bible better geographically, historically. So the Bible says he comes back to the Sea of Galilee. But if you look at the Sea of Galilee, really to to the west side, that's kind of the side where Jesus did most of his ministry. West of the Sea of Galilee, if you go further west, is is Nazareth and kind of the the Valley of Jezreel, the breadbasket. The north part of the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus did most of his public ministry, Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin and Magdala, places like that. But on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, that wasn't even really a Jewish area. That was part of what we call the Decapolis. Today, we call it the Golan Heights. But uh, the, the Decapolis was a region with 10 Greek city-states, that hence the word Deca, polis. Deca means 10 polis cities, so 10 cities. 
And Jesus, the Bible says, came to the coasts of Decapolis. Now, of the 10 cities, nine of them are on the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee, the east side, of the other side of the Jordan River. Only one city of Decapolis is on the west side, and that would be Bethshan. I was just there this past week. Look at verse number 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf. So how do the people of Decapolis, because this is not even really a Jewish area, how do they know of Jesus? Well, we've already read that people have come from far and near to hear Jesus, to experience a miracle from Jesus. They've come from all different places. So we know that people have traveled, but we also know that Jesus dealt with a maniac of Gadara. And we know that Gadara is one of the cities of Decapolis. And we also know that Jesus told that, that, that healed maniac of Gadara to go home to his friends and to tell them. And the Bible says in, in Mark 5 that this maniac of Gadara did indeed go back to all of Decapolis and he published in all of Decapolis all the wonderful things that Jesus had done for him. So now that Jesus is back in this area, it should not be a wonder to us why people know about him. Why? Some have come to visit him uh, when he was in Capernaum and other places, but this former maniac of Gadara has published what God has done for him. And so people now know who Jesus is. And the Bible says in verse 32, they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. Often those go together, right? Someone that is struggling with hearing or cannot hear will also struggle with speaking. So the Bible says this man is deaf. He has a speech impediment. They bring him to the Lord. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. They wanted Jesus to touch him. They wanted Jesus to heal him. Now, does that mean that Jesus has to touch somebody in order to heal him? No. Matter of fact, a couple times already, we've seen how Jesus has healed somebody from a distance, whether that be the nobleman's son, whom Jesus healed from Cana, although the son was all the way back in Capernaum, or the man uh, the centurion in Capernaum, who said to Jesus, don't even bother coming to my house, just say the word and my servant will be healed. So we know that Jesus can heal, doesn't have to be next to somebody or even touching somebody to heal him. But I find it special that the people wanted Jesus to lay his hands upon them. Just the 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 compassion of that, the the intimacy of that is is refreshing. Look at verse number 33. And he took him aside from the multitude. He, he brought him to a place where he could spend individual time and give individual attention to this man. And he put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. So think just about that. Jesus put his fingers in the ears of this deaf man, and he actually spit on his tongue. Now, I know to you and me that might think, wow, that's offensive. 
But the point here is that this is contact on contact, life on life. Uh, Jesus, uh, the, the good and just and holy and powerful one, pouring his life into another. I think about that story of Elisha and how he came to that Shunammite woman's son and laid upon him. Remember, it's kind of life upon life. Uh, and, and Jesus here is giving, just by way of his touch, a part of himself to this man that so desperately needed help. And I don't want to read too much into that, except to say, you know, that that's our experience, that Jesus has given himself for us completely. That's what the cross is all about. His life for our life, uh, his pain for our gain. And here we see a, just a, a small example of, of that principle. Look at verse number 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be open. So he spoke in the Aramaic, and he looked to heaven and said, be open. I, I find something very interesting about this as well. First of all, he looked to heaven. So when Jesus did his miracles, he did his miracles in the power of uh, God, uh, that, that Jesus as a human being, of course, he was all God and all man, was still showing us a pattern that power comes from above, that these miracles are to be attributed to God, not to hocus pocus, not to some kind of a home remedy, but these are miracles. And then the fact that he sighed. Did you see that in the text? He looked to heaven and he sighed. And I don't want to read too much into what that could mean. The Bible doesn't say. But it might it be that Jesus is just expressing a sigh of, this is the curse that's upon man. This is the pain. This is the suffering. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the, this is what this world is without the power of God. And a sigh. The Bible says that the, the earth groans, creation groans until the time of ultimate redemption. And so there's this sigh, this, how long, Lord, until all things are made new? Look at verse number 35. And straightway, that's kind of been our word in the book of Mark, immediately and straightway. And straightway, his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. So this miracle took place immediately, and the man could hear. Have you ever had opportunity to interact with some deaf people? Some of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life are, are people that, that are deaf. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it must be like not to be able to hear the voice of the people you love, or the beautiful sounds of music or of nature. And here's a man, we don't know if he was born deaf or if he had become deaf later in life, but the point is that deafness is, it's a burden. And this man immediately could hear. Have you seen those little videos of, uh, they're, they're wonderful, I can't watch them without crying. But the videos of people that, that hear for the first time, just Google that. Google people hearing for the first time, people that received a, a, a cochlear implant and they're hearing sound or they're hearing their, their mother's voice for the first time. 
It, it is just so inspiring. Can you imagine what this must have been like on this day for this man to receive his hearing and then to be able to speak, to be able to express his thoughts, to be able to communicate with the people he loved. Here was a man that was trapped, not being able to hear, not being able to express audibly uh, what his what what his concerns were. Look at verse number 36, and he charged them that they should tell no man. You always find that a little bit odd, but we've explained this before. Jesus did not want his ministry to be perpetuated on the popularity of miracles alone. It, what Jesus didn't come primarily to do miracles. Miracles were an expression of, of his compassion and a validation of his, meshe, of his message, but miracles were never the, the end-all, be-all for why Jesus came to this earth. And so he told them, no, don't tell anybody about this. I don't want this to be a sideshow. I don't want the miracles to be a, an unnecessary distraction for a much more important part of our ministry, my ministry, which is my message. But watch what happens in verse 36. But the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal, they published it. People just couldn't help themselves. They just had to tell people. They, the, they told people everywhere, this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. And again, I, I think obviously they're disobeying the com- command of the Lord, but you can almost understand just the effusive wanting to tell everybody. And I wonder if there's that in me. I wonder sometimes if there's that in in you that we have been so captured by the spiritual healing touch of the Lord that we just have to tell people. Look at verse number 37 in closing. And they were beyond measure astonished, saying, he hath done all things well. What an understatement. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb, and, and that's uh, the, those that can't speak, and the dumb to speak. I mean, people just were overwhelmed, astonished. They just had to say something. He does everything well. Aren't you glad that we serve a Savior that does everything well? We don't always understand everything. We don't always understand the backdrop against which Jesus works. But aren't you thankful that our Savior does everything well? He certainly did well in dying upon the cross for our sins and rising again so that you and I can have life, eternal life with him forever. Hope that helps today. We just finished chapter number seven. We'll jump into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.